Coming up, Hyundai Staria versus Kia Carnival. Which is king among breeder buses? That's next. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap. <laughs> for buyers here in Australia. Website for that, obviously, or you can just click the card that's up there now, sometimes, dude. Okay, so this is a question from John Hark, which I'm going to deal with in two parts, okay? We're going to do part one today, part two tomorrow, because it is friggin' bifurcated, and part two may not be of interest to you directly, but we're going to talk about that tomorrow, and it concerns the smoking gun of absence in part one, which would be the warranty, because obviously, here in Australia, Hyundai offers a five-year warranty and Kia offers seven. And you can look at that superficially and say to yourself, well, dude, Kia beats Hyundai on that pretty clearly. But I am going to prosecute the case tomorrow that warranty's bullshit and many people make a decision based on warranty and they're doing themselves a disservice that is based on ignorance and there is a far more important thing to consider that's in the same vein, but substantially different if you want to make the right choice about a new car, okay? So if that's not just the finest reason of all time to subscribe to this quality YouTube channel, I don't know what is. So do it now, dude, and hit the friggin' bell at the same time, won't you? I hate it when it flicks like that. It's meant to flick like this. That's better. John says, I am hopefully purchasing a Staria next year, an all-wheel drive vehicle with some space inside, finally. When you get to do a hands-on review, would you be able to show if it is possible to remove the rear seats for transporting large objects? Maybe the seatbelt warning sensors will not allow this to be done. No, dude, I think you're going to be okay on the seatbelt warning sensors, but I'd have to suggest that... Let's back up a little bit here and just think about why you want this vehicle or that one and what you actually want to do with it. And I'm going to drill down in just a second into, you know, Staria versus Carnival and we've got a seven-point plan for developing which one is superior. But just when you're thinking about buying a vehicle like this, let's not be thinking about unbolting the seats, right? Particularly if you want to morph in between a people mover and a van frequently because... Seats are friggin' heavy, like they're really hard to get in and out, they're hard to put in position, and they're not meant to be fitted and unfitted and refitted like, you know, a hundred times. They're just not. So you're going to damage the interior of the car, and it's just not going to be the same if you do it that often, and it's really going to be a pain in the ass. And therefore, you've got to ask yourself, would a van actually be better? And if it would... Why not just buy the Staria van, which is going to be released in a few months' time, to be determined? Okay, the, the difference is there's no all-wheel drive with the upcoming van variant, at least as I understand things. So then you have to say to yourself, what benefit is all-wheel drive to me? And I'd suggest that some people put together this sort of fetish in their head about, I really need a van with all-wheel drive, and generally, you don't, okay? Like, if you live in Threadbow and there's ice and snow around for four months of the year or something, then, yeah, I can see a case for that, because all of those 
wheel spin moments off the mark could be very frustrating although you could mitigate that by perhaps changing the tires or other operational decisions that you make about where you park the van and how you're going to use it, things of this nature but if you're just going to drive normally then all-wheel drive is really not that much of a benefit it's a bit of a benefit off the mark because if you are too aggressive on the throttle off the mark in the wet then you are going to invoke some wheel spin and that's going to be undignified but you know it never killed anyone and in normal driving though all-wheel drive is really not that much of a benefit because by the time you get to 30 or 40 k's an hour you know by virtue of the gearing the powertrain is really unable to supply sufficient torque to spin the wheels in a straight line and I could make the case in a performance car like a BMW M3 X drive competition or something or even a WRX okay I could make the case for all-wheel drive in these vehicles because if you tip it in really hard around a corner and you're kind of on the limit of adhesion for the tires and then you clip the apex and you start feeding on the power and unwinding the steering then the amount of torque at the driven wheels could be significant enough to combine with the amount of lateral grip that's being required to provoke wheel spin okay a little bit extra is just enough to break traction maybe at one end in a two-wheel drive car okay so all-wheel drive is a benefit there because the drive torque is split both ways and the reason that's an advantage is because most of the grip of the tires is being exploited keeping you laterally restrained around the corner okay i hope that makes sense but <laughs> Dude, if you are driving a Staria or a Carnival like that, you kind of really are missing the point because they're not meant to be driven like that. They're not fun to drive like that. And I have not yet driven a Staria because lockdown and the spirit of, you know, social distancing and refraining from human contact and all of that stuff. But I intend to get in one as a priority and do a drive impressions kind of piece. But really to compare these vehicles, you don't need to do too much of that because they're not driving enthusiasts car and I'd have to say that they're both going to be okay to drive and I've always oddly enjoyed driving Carnival at seven to eight out of ten at times on a windy sort of country road Carnival's quite engaging ten out of ten awful just awful and not meant to be driven like that so the case for all-wheel drive is difficult to prosecute you know the other thing I'd say right about all-wheel drive is if you intend to take the kids camping and you really mean you're gonna do it it's not just some friggin fantasy you actually intend to do it you can end up driving down a reasonably good dirt road to an idyllic campsite and you just get the fire started and you put the snags on the grill or something and then it pisses down with rain as it always does on these best parental intention type exercises and you huddle in the car like this freezing your tits off all night saturated and then you attempt to drive out and the reasonably good dirt road you drove in on is absolutely frigging saturated okay all-wheel drive could be very useful in that situation so there is absolutely a case for a breeder bus with all-wheel drive and here you know Staria does beat Carnival because it offers that. I don't think most people think about using the vehicle in those kinds of contexts though. And 
I'd have to also suggest on this issue of removing the rear seats to accommodate bulky items. Like, how friggin' bulky do they have to be, dude? Because I got a full-sized refrigerator into a carnival, and I did it, I had to lay it down, obviously, and I did it without removing any seats, okay? And it's absolutely possible, and there were plenty of, there was plenty of buffer around the fridge, like there was space to spare. And this was a single door fridge, but quite a bulky unit and like, you know, 1.7 tall or something like that. So I didn't just transport a bar fridge and make it look big with a wide angle lens, right? It was a serious job. Take a look. <laughs> Before you tell me in the comments, I know that some people say you're not supposed to lie a fridge down, you're supposed to transport it upright. But what I'd suggest is that the reason people say that is so that you can just lift it off vertically, put it back down, plug it in, turn it on, good to go. Okay, the reason for this recommendation not to lay fridges horizontal is because oil from the compressor can leak into other parts of the system and unless you leave it upright for a substantial period of time, like 24 hours or something to be safe, for the oil to drain back, you can damage the system if oil is in the wrong place. So yeah, I left it standing there unplugged for a couple of days and I plugged it back in, working just fine, okay? So if you've got to transport a fridge horizontally, that's what you need to know. And I'd also have to suggest that if Carnival does that easier, there's like this much more headroom in Astaria. So even though the seats when folded stick up a little bit higher in Staria, there's still a shit ton of headroom there for the transportation of quote unquote bulky items. So let's just get into Staria versus Carnival, the nitty gritty and that. And I'd have to suggest that if this was the mainstream media, we'd have graphics and there'd be all kinds of points allocated and we'd declare a winner, which is obviously an irrelevant kind of bullshit way to do this, because what really matters here is what matters to you. None of these points is going to be equally weighted by two different people who are contenders for buying these vehicles. So Carnival's got some strengths, Staria's got some other strengths, and the difference about what's right is going to come down to you and your preferences, right? So let's get into it. And the first one is aesthetics, which is kind of, I don't know, blondes versus brunettes, right? Now, you're going to have an aesthetic preference, and I'm going to have one. It's blondes, okay? You can go with brunettes or occasionally redheads, whatever. If you've got this, I don't know, bamboo cage fantasy, it's probably not going to be blondes, and that's 
perfectly all right. To me, Staria looks like a bit of a Robocop-inspired breeder bus, and for this reason, I think I'd rather go with Carnival, which is, at least it pays homage to being cooler. I don't know that you can use cooler in the same sense as actually cool, because these vehicles are just not cool. Like, get over it, okay? You, you don't buy them for their coolness, you buy them for their functionality, and that's what we're gonna go with next. So aesthetics, completely over to you, and whatever you determine, hey, fine by me. The all-wheel drive, pretty clearly, and it's diesel only with Staria, if you buy the petrol, it's a front driver, but if you buy the diesel, you get all-wheel drive in the people mover, not so much the van, in fact, not at all with the van, but if you buy the diesel people mover Staria, you get all-wheel drive, distinct win for Staria if that matters to you, if there's an objectively defensible case that all-wheel drive is superior for you, okay? Number two, I, or number three I thought about was seating versatility, okay? Seating versatility, very important in a vehicle like this because you can go down to Bunnings and put something bulky in it or then your kids and their friends might all need to go to the football or something when that's allowed once again and Seating versatility really matters, okay? And that is a big win for Carnival. I, I actually think that Hyundai has substantially dropped the ball versus Carnival on seating versatility with Staria, okay? Because with Carnival, you can just unclip the middle seat of row two. And that means if you and your kids and her parents are all getting into your people mover together, the septuagenarian parents, the grandparents of your children, don't have to vault over row two to get to row three, do they, right? You can just pull out that centre seat and they can just shuffle in through the sliding door and then turn right, get on the safe side, right? They're getting in the left side of the car, they turn right, they go for row three. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. This is especially brilliant if you've got child restraints fitted in the outboard seating positions of row two because it's undignified for Nana to have to vault over the row two to get into row three. So, dude, you're going to have to unfit that child restraint and put it on the footpath and fold the seat and then Nana's going to have to shuffle through otherwise, right? And then when you get out, reverse, okay? Repeat if there are multiple stops along the way. So that's kind of a pain in the ass, okay? If you've got to do that, that's that's the proposition in Staria, okay? And there's more seating versatility as well in the Carnival because Staria does not have split-fold row three, okay? So if you go to Bunnings and you need six seats and you want to put a long thing in the vehicle, Carnival's going to do that. Staria's not. Okay, and you might never do that. You might always pay for delivery and that's fine. Okay, and this is what I mean about you overlaying what's important to you into these sort of objective considerations about which vehicle does this and which vehicle doesn't. Okay, so there's a pretty clear case for Carnival being more versatile in the seating configurations, right? It, it really is important. You also get more child restraint and anchor options, which we'll get to in just a sec.
As for cargo adaptability, that's like the flip side of that seating versatility proposition. So you've got to give it to Carnival. You can fold the seats up different ways and you can have more seats available with more different bulky items in a Carnival than you can in a Staria. And if you're never going to do that, feel free to disregard that as part of, as like a waypoint on the road to your destination about which people mover is going to suit you, all right? As for space, though, as we have given a couple of victories to Carnival, and I don't want to balance it up, but when you look objectively at space, you have to give it to Staria because Staria is bigger. It's slightly bigger in length. It's 5.253 metres long versus 5.155. So there's about that much in it in overall length, which doesn't seem like much, but if you've got to jam a lot of crap in the back because you've got young kids and they're sort of amount of logistic crap you need to carry is always inversely proportional to the age of the child, right? And this much length can make a real difference when it comes to double strollers or, you know, cots and things of that nature. So got to give it to Staria, it's bigger. And it's also got substantially more headroom. Like Staria is 1.99 metres tall. So that's going to make it an interesting challenge to get into some car parks. You want to be careful about that. But it's substantially taller. It's got more headroom than the Carnival at 1.775, right? So there's about that much in it. There's, there's like 200-ish in it, in headroom inside. And that mitigates some of the seat height when folded problem because when you fold the seats in Astaria, they do sit up higher, particularly row three, because in a carnival, row three folds flat down into the floor, and you can then fold row two and slide it forward. Unfortunately, though, with this carnival, they didn't go with the tip forward option as well. In the previous carnival, you used to be able to slide row two and then tip it up against uh, the front row seats so that you had a big, long, flat floor. You can't do that with this carnival, so they're pretty close together when it comes to usable vertical height within the vehicle, even though Carnival is substantially lower at the roof line, okay? And as a breeder bus, talking about you know child restraints and things of that nature now, you've got to give it to the Carnival. This is uh, point number six, all right? You've got to give it to the Carnival because Carnival offers you the utopia of you know child restraint anchor options. It's got five, all right? It's got five isofix anchors and five top tether anchors as well. Three in row two and two in row three. So that's kind of perfect. And you can sort of mix and match then to suit whatever the other logistics of carrying this and that entail, right? You've got cargo to carry. You can have your kids in restraints. You've got a lot of cargo down one side. You can have the kids on the other side. Not so much in Staria, right? Because... Staria's only got two isofix points. I'm just confirming that with my notes, right? Because I don't want to get this wrong. It's so important to a bunch of buyers. They're on the outboard seats in row two. So if you've got isofix, it's outboard in row two, and there's only two of them. And there's only three top tether points. And those top tether points are every seating position in row two. There's no child restraint anchorage functionality built into row three, 
okay? So that's a big limitation versus carnival if you're an enthusiastic breeder or if you're just one of two families who hook up regularly and get the one vehicle to wherever with a whole bunch of those child restraint points needing to be occupied, all right? And it is gonna be a pain in the ass in the Staria if you've got three kids in restraints and you want your septuagenarian parents to get in on the left side because you are gonna have to remove two of those restraints to fold the seat on the curbside when you are conventionally parked on the left so that septuagenarian nana and pop don't have to get in via the traffic, okay? And it's a pain in the ass doing that on the perfect spring day, right? But it's such a pain doing it. Like you wanna work up a sweat, do it in the middle of summer and Let's not forget that you're also going to have to do this in the middle of the night or, you know, after sunset in the rain. And that's just going to be pain in the ass degree of difficulty 9.9. .9, all right. So this may not be important to you because your kids have outgrown all of that kind of stuff and it's no longer really an issue. And it's the, the rear part of the car is a clean skin from the child restraint anchorage point of view. You just flip the seat in the Staria and octogenarian, whoever can get in the back in a dignified way, not a problem. That's why you've got to think about your usage case and there's not really a clear definitive winner here, okay? And the final point, point number seven would be about towing, okay? And here, Staria is the complete winner, okay? Because all-wheel drive is going to be a benefit for things like launching a boat or, you know, manoeuvring something up a driveway, whatever, okay? That's going to be a win off the bat in the diesel. But there's also the absolute tow capacity, which is two and a half tonnes with the Staria and just two tonnes with the Carnival. And the interesting thing to me there is that the Staria is actually def uh, designed off the back of the Hyundai Santa Fe platform, or albeit it's been stretched, okay? It's been stretched quite a bit, actually, because the, um, the wheelbase on Staria is like... Uh, 3.27 meters, right, which is just huge. And that's gonna give it, actually that might translate into a ride quality improvement versus Carnival as well, because Carnival is actually about 200 um, smaller in the wheelbase. So it's gonna pitch a little bit more, but it's got, they've both got long wheelbases. So they're gonna ride both pretty well. Although Staria should have an edge. The flip side of that is, of course, maneuverability for U-turning and things of that nature. The longer the wheelbase, the bigger the turning circle, basically, okay? But in any case, all right, the Staria has a bigger tow capacity. It's half a tonne bigger, two and a half tonnes versus two tonnes. And I don't know if that's a philosophical engineering thing or not, because when I look at the Santa Fe versus its direct competitor at Kia, which is the Sorento, the Sorento's got a two-ton tow capacity, Santa Fe's got two and a half, and they're essentially clones, okay? So what that tells me is that whoever's calling the shots in engineering terms about tow capacity for Sorento is doing a more conservative job than the equivalent dude doing it over here at Hyundai. And I'm not saying one of them's right or one of them's wrong. What I'm saying is there's a different philosophical engineering approach in play. So that may also translate across to Carnival versus Staria. Carnival might just be more conservative. Staria might be a little less conservative from a tow capacity point of view. But in any case, if you do have something that weighs 
two, maybe at times two and a bit, then you are going to want to tow it with a Staria because it will be legally compliant. Now, I do not know which of these factors is most important to you, obviously, okay? And you're going to have to have a serious think about that. But one of the things that's lacking, in my view, from reviews, especially about vehicles such as this, is that driving dynamics really don't matter, and they're going to be so similar. Okay, they're going to be okay to drive around town. They're going to be okay to drive on the highway. They're going to be more enjoyable than you think. Okay, the conclusion is have a real think about what's important to you. And although there may be a clear winner, I'd suggest they're both clear winners compared with a seven-seat SUV. In other words, what I'm suggesting is these kinds of vehicles are better than seven-seat SUVs if you just think about it strictly in terms of the usage criteria that most people use when they select a seven-seat SUV, okay? I can see the case for seven-seat SUVs, like they're sexier in a sense, and they do have the seven seats. I mean, these vehicles both offer eight, but they have seven, and seven could be enough. However, if you are gonna use row three a lot, then a people mover is just a better proposition than a seven-seat SUV. Like, dude, it just is. And you have to make friends with it. That's a major hurdle for some people that they simply cannot get over. And the other thing I'd suggest here is the proposition that these vehicles may be too big, okay? Too big. Compared with friggin' what, dude? Because I just looked it up. A Mazda 3 hatchback, which is notionally a small car. It's not that small, but it is a small car if you look at its sort of VFAX determination. It's 4.46 metres long, okay? The Staria is 5.23 metres. If we want to get it down to an eighth of an inch, there's that extra three millimetres. 5.253 metres long. The difference is like less than 800 millimetres. It's, it's kind of that far. If there's a person out there who can drive a Mazda 3 hatch, who cannot drive a Staria or a Carnival, like, come on, dude, hand your license back because you shouldn't be driving. We're not talking about B-double versus Yaris. We're talking about this much additional car. And I know I might be being a little unkind on that, and some people might be daunted at the prospect of driving a vehicle that looks that big. And it does look big, and it's big and it's wide, it's like nearly two metres wide and it's two metres high near enough and you know, it's five and a bit metres long, but that's a perception thing, okay? When you're actually sitting in it, it's only that much longer than a Mazda 3, it's got good visibility and it's gonna feel different, it's gonna take you a week to 10 days to accommodate its different feeling dimensionality. But in terms of the actual difficulty of driving a vehicle that big versus Mazda 3 hatch, it's really not that different. It just isn't, okay? Uh, and compared with a thing like a Santa Fe, a Santa Fe is 4.77 metres long, Staria is 5.25, okay? So the difference is like half a metre, right? If you can drive a Santa Fe, you can drive a Staria or a Carnival. It's just, that's just how this plays. Now, thanks for sticking with me on this. This is a big spend, okay? Like, if you're buying the top of the range and 
the, the sales figures do seem to suggest that people are buying these vehicles like a premium family conveyance now because they're no longer all being sold as poverty packs with a few well-heeled people, you know, deciding to buy the top of the range. The sales of the model ranges are skewing towards the top end of the range and it's like sixty to 70000 bucks spend, which is not a small amount of money at all, okay? If you are thinking about dropping that amount of cash on a vehicle, you want to make the right choice, think about these considerations carefully. And if you go to a dealership when that's allowed and you do a test drive when that's allowed, then I'd be concentrating less on the ride quality and the handling dynamics and more on these sort of more functional considerations that I just detailed in terms of the child restrained anchor points and the load versus accommodation, versatility and things of that nature because that's going to make much more of a difference to you on a daily basis for the next five years. And if you are concerned about the warranty, the five years versus seven years thing, then I will get into that and we will do the full deep dive into warranty and why it does not matter in the current environment, the current regulatory environment. And instead of warranty, I will tell you tomorrow what you should concentrate on instead. Thanks for watching.